Welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Madison Snyder, the founder of Fewer Finer. Madison launched Fewer Finer in 2018 after dreaming up ideas for beautiful, wearable, and symbolic jewelry pieces. Today, Fewer Finer is elevating the industry by bringing that sentimental value and quality craftsmanship to every piece of jewelry they create. In this episode, Madison chats about how she started her business as a side hustle and has since grown to a five-person team, why she intends to remain a self-funded company, the process for creating unique and sentimental fine jewelry, and much more. Let's get into the show. Madison, welcome to Office Chats. I'd love to get started by having you introduce yourself and share what got you started in the jewelry business. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, my name is Madison Snyder Podperka. I am a fine jewelry designer based out of Brooklyn, New York, and I've had my business for almost four years now. I started it when I was working full-time um, as a photography producer, but had always had this strong interest in jewelry. And I was really eager to have a business of my own. And being that I was in New York and the jewelry industry is so alive and well here, I um, decided to kind of explore this industry and ended up starting this business that a year after starting, I left my job full-time to pursue. Now, three years later, we are five-person team. We primarily are selling fine jewelry for every day. Yeah, so tell me more about the type of jewelry you offer. We have three different areas of our business, which is our signature collection, pieces that I design and we make here in New York, our vintage collection, which are pieces that I source. And then we also have a big custom business, which encompasses like redesigning pieces and bridal. And that's who we are. How old were you when you started your business as a side hustle? And how did you prepare to take it on full time after a year? I think I was 27. I was doing my um, career in production full time. I really wanted that creative outlet, but I wasn't necessarily always pinpointed on doing a fine jewelry business. I had worked for a fine jeweler when I was in high school, like packing boxes after school. So I had some understanding of fine jewelry from that. And she was this really cool woman who was also a mom and she worked at her house, but had a really established brand. So that gave me some exposure to kind of like, this could be something that I could see myself doing. I think this is a business I could figure out. I really spent much more time researching and it wasn't until I actually kind of like hit the pavement going to the diamond district in New York, making connections, meeting people. Did I like have what I needed to get started? And I had probably done research for like eight months on the jewelry industry. So how I started was really making connections, being local to the area where a lot of the production is done, fine jewelry and kind of taking it from there. Can you walk me through the design process for creating a new piece of jewelry? I act as the designer and I work together with two like key kind of sections. The first is a CAD designer who takes my ideas, concepts, drawings into a CAD rendering. And CAD is a digital file where what I've drawn in 2D on paper can exist in 3D. From CAD, that piece is casted into the metal that we want. And then a jeweler finishes 
that casting by setting stones or polishing it or whatnot. All of those various trades that we work with are in the, the master category. So a master jeweler is someone that I think has spent over 25 years doing their particular trade. What I think is really interesting about the jewelry business is a lot of these trades are really singular. So our casters, all they do is cast metal. Our engraver, all he does is engraving. It's a really like specialized industry. And what's kind of unique about your finer being that we are a really small business, it's unique that we manage all of those trades individually ourselves, rather than um, hiring like a jewelry manufacturer who we give our like sketches to, and then they produce it end to end. Instead, because we're based here in New York, we've always worked one-on-one -on -one with every single tradesperson that creates our pieces, which gives us a really like close attention to detail and allows us to be very involved in the process of making everyone's pieces. That's pretty cool. It sounds like a great setup for your business. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. What was it like getting your first few sales when you started and how were you able to connect with customers early on? I think a big part of it for me was, I remember the feeling of selling to the first customer that we sold to that wasn't like a friend or family, which was just like hugely exciting. At that point, we already had our online website set up. And so I would get notifications every time someone purchased something. And I just remember being like, how did they even like hear about us? Like how crazy that like someone is buying something they don't, I don't even know them personally. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really exciting. And one thing about that, that was part of my initial intention for how am I going to sell these pieces that I'm making is I knew that Instagram would be really beneficial. And I had worked in the social media industry kind of, and I wanted to like from the get-go have a brand established and a website that was always there that was really made people feel very confident in what they were buying, independent of just a social media platform. Can you speak to the importance of storytelling and meaning behind the pieces that your brand offers? The, the idea of having things on you always, it's kind of like the second layer of skin and it really becomes like part of who you are. With that, it ends up being sentimental because it's part of who you are. You always have it with you or on you. Jewelry is special and fine materials are expensive. And so you often get them for important occasions or to celebrate someone important or something important. And so I always wanted that to really be the core of what we were able to do and they make for people. Customizations and engraving or changing out stones that are that are more suited to you has always been a really big part of what we do. And now as we do a lot more custom work from scratch, that's a lot of it too. So much of the custom work that we're doing is really meant to memorialize someone um, that was lost or tell the story of this amazing memory or um, you know, redesign this piece that held a lot of sentimental value but isn't the style of someone's, um, but they still wanna like, be able to wear it in a new way. Having that emphasis in your business is so impactful because you're really making the pieces extra special for your customers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really important to me is that everyone feels like they are extra special, whether they are just buying something that isn't customized at all. It's something that we've designed and like even giving them story about how we designed it, like just gives more of an emotional connection. And to me, I do really emotionally connect with the jewelry I wear. And so I want to give give that to our customers and mm -hmm. clients too. Yeah. Well, Fewer Finer has been in business for four years now. How have you evolved during that time to meet consumer requests and gain a broad appeal while still maintaining your unique vision and design aesthetic? 
Yeah, I think it's been an interesting process throughout the past few years of kind of balancing between having a singular vision that is really what we stand for and not getting too caught up in the wave of trends or of watching what other brands are doing. At the same time, we have definitely been able to adapt to meet the needs of our customers in a few different ways. And mostly it just is like being really receptive to them, like having such a presence on Instagram and being that I'm still the one who goes like, you know, manages all of our messages and does all of our stories. I really get direct feedback from our customers and they're like really open about sharing what they want. It's been great for us because I listened to that and I was getting tons of requests for bridal and engagement rings, which I never opened the business intending to do at all. And now that's a big part of what our business has evolved to be. We've been very open and adapting to what people want, but I think at the end of the day, no matter what it is that we have sold or will sell, it does always have to fit into that core belief of who we are, which is that like it is fine jewelry. It's meant to be worn every day. And that kind of grounds us in something. How have you seen the jewelry industry in general change or evolve in recent years? It is a very old school industry and I, I am kind of nostalgic for the, that, even though I didn't grow up in this industry at all, but I, I'm really, I really love how old school it is. It kind of just like feels traditional and I like that. I would say one change that I've kind of seen is something that I have been part of myself, which is just selling online, whether that's through social media platforms or just like e-commerce businesses has really shaken things up because there is just so much more exposure and it has leveled the playing field in terms of like people's understanding and knowledge of some of these finer materials. And I think that that's a really cool thing. And I think it's also changed the way that people buy jewelry because traditionally it was a little bit of like a smoke and mirrors thing. And you maybe just had like your local jewelry store or stores to go to if you wanted to buy something in the fine jewelry category. And now there's so much available online that there's people are exposed to more. And that's kind of a cool thing. Another unique thing about your business is that you are 100% self-funded and intend to remain the only owner of your company. I'm curious how being a self-funded founder impacts your business decisions and what made that the right entrepreneurial route for you. Yeah, I'm very proud of the fact that it is a self-funded business because, um, you know, I've taken a lot of like risks and uh, worked really hard to, to, to be here doing that. It is important for me to remain a self-funded business. I like how we've evolved in that way. And so I want to kind of continue to do that, like reinvesting back into the business to um, allow it to still grow while not needing to take on any funding. But it is interesting because it changes the way that we operate some things. There isn't like tons of cash flow available to maybe experiment or hire a, like a, a, a team of more people or um, produce a ton of new collections and do the whole um, process of kind of adding new things to our collection because with each thing we add, it, 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 there is additional costs that we take on. But at the end of the day, I also really like the creative challenge of business and working with like real money that is that is mine and helps me make decisions really um, strategically and thoughtfully. I now have a small team and I actually really like sharing that process with them too because I think everyone is really invested in doing the best that we can with what's available to us and not um, spending money in areas that we don't have the money to spend. 
How do you balance the creative side of the business with the financial and operational side? I think I've learned um, over the, the years of having this business that it's really important to seek help where you don't have strengths. And so um, the particular financial part of that is one of them. I have an amazing bookkeeper who is really, really helpful for me because I'm not a very numbers oriented person. And we have an amazing e-commerce manager who really looks at the data and that's something that I, by nature, just wouldn't look, look at. So having people that support me that do things better than I do them is really important. Even though I'm not necessarily a numbers oriented person, I do find like the more business side of my business just as compelling as like the cre traditional creative side of it, because I find business in and of itself just creative. Like you really do have to think outside the box and have, there are challenges every day that you kind of need to have creative ways to solve them. And so I love talking business. I love like speaking to other entrepreneurs and thinking of other business ideas. And, and for me, that's really fun and creative in its own way. As you think back on your four years in business, has there been a design that you've enjoyed working on the most? There are so many. And I really feel like very honored to have had created a lot of the pieces that we've created for our clients, whether they're commemorating big milestones or an engagement ring. Like I really don't take that stuff lightly and I'm very sentimental around it. Um, but I'm trying to think of something that comes to mind. We did a piece, um, my husband is, his family is Ukrainian. And so last year um, when the war in Ukraine had started, we created a really cool piece that we auctioned off on Instagram. I created this design that was inspired by traditional Ukrainian embroidery. And we translated a really cool tapestry embroidery into an engraving on a charm that we then auctioned off. And the response was, was really sweet and people were really excited about it. And I think that just felt good to raise money for something that was important to me. Um, and also to get to be creative and thinking of something that like would appeal to someone who maybe didn't have um, Ukraine as close to their heart as I did at that time. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. You talked a little bit earlier about the impact that social media has had on your business and just the jewelry industry at large. I'd love to talk more about your marketing strategy specifically and how you've built a loyal customer base for fewer finer. Yeah, I think that our loyal customer has feels loyal to us because I try to be very loyal to them. So most of that relationship has happened for us on Instagram. But people really know that like I am the one behind our Instagram, that I'm the one that's on the stories. And so I really do like put myself out there and share in a genuine way. And I think that makes people feel very familiar with me and trusting of me. And that makes them much more loyal to be customers consistently or just be interested consistently, even if they're not buying things. So I think like having a genuine relationship and being my real self in our marketing efforts has been a big part of people feeling connected with what we're putting out there. That makes sense. So you're focused on speaking with your customers, not at them to create this two-way communication where they're involved in the brand and they feel like they can reach, reach out to you directly. Thank you. Yeah. You said that better than I would have been. I said it. <laughs> well, I'm curious what growing your team has been like and what your key considerations are when adding people to the few refiner team. 
Yeah. So I feel I'm really lucky to have the amazing team that I have right now. And I think building a good team has been the best investment of time and money that I've ever made for the business. So I can't say enough about how valuable that is. We base uh, the operational side of our business uh, on a system called traction, which you can like read books about. And I find it really interesting. I've referred a couple other uh, founders that I know to this um, system, but one of the like one of the the things that they teach you about is the idea that every employee should be um, should get it. Essentially, do they get the concept of what your business is? Do they um, want it? So, are they like wanting to be there every day? And do they have the capacity to do it? And I think that that has actually been really helpful for us assessing like who is the right fit to our team because everyone has like unique capabilities and we've hired certain people that have ended up evolving into other roles. And um, that's happened a lot within our team because we really want to make sure that everyone is doing something that they not only enjoy doing, but are good at doing and that those two things are there. So really like honoring each individual person and what they do best has been an important part of who our team is and then how they all work within the company. That's so critical, especially as a small business. And you said the system you implemented is called Traction. I confused the two. I think Traction is the title of the book. And then Uh EOS is the system. And EOS stands for Entrepreneurial's Operating System. You know, it's just a book. It's not like something that you buy into. Mm -hmm. Um, But the book lays out a lot of foundational principles to setting up structure for a business that often has been born out of a founder's ideas. And that's really where we were as a business like two years ago, where it was a lot of my ideas and a lot of growth had happened, but there wasn't really an operational system that we functioned on. So this system EOS, which is laid out in the book Traction, gives you a lot of tools to implement some sort of structure, which every business needs. Interesting. Okay, well, I'll be sure to link the book in our episode description in case anyone wants to learn more about that. What have been some other challenges that you've had to overcome in expanding Few Refiner? Building an amazing team and setting up a system internally to operate well, I would say, would have been the two biggest ones. Um, Just because it really makes all the difference if things are you know, if you have a well-oiled machine on the back end um, and the front end, which is kind of more of our marketing and our presentation of our of our goods and our pieces comes more naturally to me. So I'd say that those have been kind of the two bigger challenges that I've had to figure out. And then frankly, additionally, just like the, the, the things that come with starting a business, like I, I had never set up a payroll before or entered into a lease agreement um, in a commercial way um, or figured out a maternity leave policy for my team. And, you know, as those, as those things have come up that I've never done before, I've taken them on one by one and, and here we are, but it is, um, I think, cool to share because there might be other people who want to start businesses and don't know any of that stuff that I knew none of that stuff before. And just like one by one, I've figured out the things as I've gone along and really learned that like, you don't need to be an expert in any of it. Like you can figure out everything as it comes. Um, Just like take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. No, that's super refreshing to hear, especially with those like very detailed challenges that come your way. Like you said, figuring out a maternity leave program for your employees, like that's not really something that you're automatically going to think of when you're starting a business by yourself. So 
just Mm -hmm. taking them as they come while you're growing I think is great for people to hear like you don't have to know it all from the start and just do do your research and use your connections to to help you along the way yeah exactly how do you see the brand evolving in the future and what are your long-term goals for fewer finer so evolving in the future I would really love to doing a lot of what we're doing now. I, I love having a small team and something when I visualize or envision what our company will be in five or 10 years, I still would love to have a relatively small team. It's an environment that I love working in. And I think that we can do what we do really well without a huge person business. And I would really love to feel like we are even more in flow on the operational side than we are currently. So those are things that I'm like always striving towards. When it comes to the product itself, we have some like really fun things that we're working on. We're reintroducing a new program for vintage watches, which is really cool. And we're doing more bridal than we've ever done. So continuing to kind of listen to our clients and what they want and offering like a really high quality product and consistently like doing what we can to make that product even higher quality is what I envision for our future. The question that people ask me a lot is, do you want to have a physical store? That's like usually the question people ask is, you know, you've got this business and you're selling online. Do you want to have a store? And for right now, I think our goal is to have an amazing online business that makes people feel really comfortable and confident buying the sort of pieces that we make online. But I would love to have like a beautiful New York City studio that um, we could have like by appointment clients into. So I think in the next like five years, having a space that's fully our own would feel like a really big accomplishment and is a goal. Right now we have an office within a co-working space. So we do have our own um, office, but it isn't like fully place that we've decorated and we've branded. And that's, that will be exciting for me when we get there. That is exciting. And congrats on all the growth you've experienced over the last few years. It's very impressive. Thank you. Well, Madison, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? My biggest piece of advice is to balance between acting as though you know more than you do, because there is something very true to a fake it till you make it. And I think in when I look back at the starting of this business and the intimidation I felt in a lot of settings, because I didn't have a family that had been in the jewelry business and I didn't have a formal education in jewelry and I had never launched a brand before. I really kind of had to just like be confident and move forward. And um, that boldness was allowed me to be taken seriously. But I also, in many instances, would not lead on to everything I knew because there were a lot of opportunities where people kind of wanted to show me their way and tell me how they did things and be the expert themselves. And so in those instances, it was really important for me to kind of sit back and listen and learn. And I got so far by people sharing with me, like how they were doing things and then me deciding, do I want to do it that way or do it the opposite? So my senior piece of advice, I think would be like balance yourself between both of those and don't take for granted how much you can learn when people don't know how much, you know, and don't take for granted, um, you know, the other side of it either, which is like, how important it is to lead with confidence and know that like you can figure everything you need to figure out. I love this advice. You're so right. There is such an important balance there between believing that you can do anything and having that confidence 
yet still knowing that you have so much to learn. So both equally important and great advice. Thank you so much, Madison, for joining me on the podcast. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with Fewer Finer online and on social media? Yes, thank you very much for asking. We are at Fewer Finer on Instagram and we are um, at www.purefinder.com online. And those are really the two best places to kind of be in touch with us. Thank you so much to Madison for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next time for a new episode of Office Chats.